This Mother's Day, celebrate the extraordinary women in your life with a heartfelt gift from Blue Nile. Whether it's for your mom, a mother figure, or yourself as a mom, find that perfect piece to express your love and appreciation. Explore Blue Nile's exquisite pearls and mesmerizing gemstones that she's sure to love. Enjoy fast shipping options like guaranteed free shipping and returns. Make this Mother's Day unforgettable with a piece from Blue Nile. Right now, get up to 50% off at BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Ladies and gentlemen, broadcasting from beautiful South Bermondsey, this is Achtung Millwall. special little show. I want to introduce to you listeners, um, Mr. Steve Turner, who is the Assistant General Secretary of my union, United Union. Welcome to the show, Steve. Thanks very much, Nick. And I've been looking at your Twitter feed, mate. You are Assistant General Secretary of, one, well, the biggest union, I believe, isn't it? 1.4 1. 1. million members. million yeah. members across Great Britain and Ireland. And Ireland, yeah. Um, union I'm proud to be a member of. Um, and on your Twitter feed, you describe yourself as a proud socialist. Yep. And most importantly of all, a Millwall fan. A proud season ticket. Uh, <laughs> Welcome yeah. to the show, mate. <laughs> Thanks. Great to talk to you. Um, last season was a great season. Um, I don't know what to expect this season. We, we, it's, it's that kind of weight of Millwall expectation, isn't it? It's the worst thing <laughs> in the world. You know, you've had, you've had your sights raised, and now we don't know what we're going to get this this time around. You, you're looking yeah. forward to the new season. I really am looking forward to the season. Yeah, um, I'll be at Middlesbrough on Saturday, of course. But um, yeah. it's always the triumph of hope over experience. You know what I mean? <laughs> it's another season. We did fantastically last season, and I always say that if I'd have um, at the beginning of the season, if someone had had a bet with me that we'd end up triumph at the playoffs, ending up just outside the playoffs, I'd have taken it, but wouldn't have believed it. And yeah. the reality is we ended up at where we did, and what a fantastic season it was. It was. I mean, at the start of the season, I think we all would have settled for um, anything in the bottom six outside the relegation Avoiding zone. relegation, yeah. Yeah, stay up, <laughs> consolidate, um, and we had a good run at the, in the end. Um, some great football at times as well. I, I really enjoyed last season. I think that's, that's the first time in a while that I've been able to say that under various managements we've had down the day. But it's great to see Neil Harris... Prospering yeah. and flowering. I mean, he's a, he's a real noble yeah. man, isn't he? And really nurturing a team as well. I think he's got a style about him and a confidence yeah. about him. People respect him. The players respect him. Most importantly, you know. 
and he's bringing a, he's bringing a great team of people together, um, running in from the youth squad, bringing some in from outside, but fit in, fit into the team, you know. Um, some experienced heads in there as well that you need to keep it calm and keep it cool, uh, keep it cool head on things when it's not quite going as well as it should be, you know. Now, I used to do a little thing called um, Listed Lions. That idea has been nicked by somebody else. Now. I'm going to run you through some of the more basic questions <laughs> that I used to do. Yeah. Prove your Millwall credentials, Steve Turner, oh, Assistant man, General Secretary. <laughs> um, <laughs> when was your first Millwall match, mate? When, what, when was your first game? Can you remember it? At the Den? It was at the old Den, of course. Couple of lane. Um, you're about the same it'll age. It'll be about me. 70. It'll be about 78. 78? Okay, you're a little bit after me. It'll be then. about 78. Jules Petchiera? Um, I, I can't. I couldn't tell you what the game was. <laughs> I couldn't tell. I remember the golden uh, going to the Golden Cats, so Ilderton Road. Right. Yeah. Ilderton Road end because it was quite open then, of course. Yeah. And uh, having a pie in the Golden Cats underneath the stand <laughs> and bring it back out again. Of course, you could have a drink then as well. Different um, world, back but then, it was a different it? game. It was a different game, different world. Yeah, different issues as well, of course. Back those days, yeah. I mean, it was all open terracing. Um, yeah. Pre pre Hillsborough and all that, all that came in exactly. The pre the caging in and everything else that followed it. Yes, oh, so you remember, you remember as it before oh, yeah. it was caged in? Yeah, yeah, that was a different, very different stadium back then, wasn't it? It was, um, yeah. Who was your first hero, your first Millwall hero, Steve? Or did you pick out as your... Heroes? Yeah. Oh. I don't know, I still meet, um, I still meet, actually, Terry Erlock. Do you? I still meet Terry because he still does a, a lot of work behind the scenes at okay. the club. And he still hosts a lot of things yes. in um, in the boxes. So he was working for Bob Crow for a he while. He did. He Bob worked at the RMT. Yeah, um, yeah, I remember seeing him in the when Bob was still with us. You know, and I saw yeah. him a couple of away games. I think he went yeah. his. And we used to have a couple of beers. <laughs> and we used to have a couple of beers when Bob. I was going to say, well, Terry might need mine by the end of the day. <laughs> he did. He used to sweep along them boxes. I think going in, <laughs> trying to empty the empty the buckets of beers more than have a chat with individuals. What a character! It was, uh, yeah, fantastic. And, and I remember his. And um, what a player! Yeah, and I remember him uh, getting sent off. I think before the first touch of the ball that he had, probably in one of his first games, <laughs> and he just became a hero of mine. He, he summed up everything that was great about team spirit in Millwall absolutely I never give up you know always carry the fight to the opposition um, you're there to do a job of work and you're going to get stuck in and we're, we fear no foe and that's the reality of it it's Great. a slogan that we've got yep. and it's a it's a team motto and you know if you want to be a Millwall player and you want to carry the crowd with you then you've got to be brave and you've got to stick it to them and you never give up and Terry never gave up like so many of our players, of course, you know. Yeah, absolutely. But he was fantastic, and you wouldn't get past Terry. He was that ball that was going to stand he did, there and take you out. Him, <laughs> and, he, and he'd take you out, you know. And he paid the price for that. But what a fantastic yeah, player, you know. As well. And a character, yeah. Um, what was your proudest Millwall moment? What would you pick out, Steve? I'm bouncing with you. Other than the yet. FA Cup final at Cardiff. But, um, yeah. No, that was but I suppose one or two obvious ones, isn't it? I know, promotion, yeah. I suppose, promotion, yeah, promotion. Yeah. I remember the promotion to First Division. Yeah, and I was we was away at Hull, and I yes. went. Uh, oh, you went away game. One. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Went away, and we went up beating Hull, and um, it was a, well. We drove up, and we drove, and what a day! Uh, yeah. What a day it was. That's a day that always sticks in my memory, you know. Well, because it was so outlandish an idea, Steve, wasn't it? I mean, I, you know, brought up same kind of era. And Mill would never played in the first division. Of course, yeah. It was the pub quiz question. There was the only London club never played. In the <laughs> never <first> played. <laughs> And you knew what the answer was, and it just seemed so. I mean, the points in the eighties, it seemed such a remote idea. Um, we nearly went out of business a couple of yeah, times. I know, yeah. And it seemed such a remote idea, and then when we achieved it, it was. 
Oh, it was fantastic. Fancy, it? And it was just a fantastic, uh, fantastic occasion, you know. And that whole season going away and seeing the club in towns that you didn't know existed. Yeah. You know, but, no, but, but you got there and you found a decent bar and you sat down, you had a few beers and you went to the game and then you had a, a few beers after. And it was great. And I met some great people um, in those towns and we yeah. had some good chats, you know, and we had a few laughs and we... we Develop a bit of a comradeship that we've still got, I think, now. Awesome. With a lot of those places and a lot of the people that... Real true football supporters, yeah, you know? Absolutely. I talk about the Premier League and all of that, but this is, the real football takes place in the Football League. How do you feel about the Premier League? I was off, off, off subject entirely, but I'm a little bit ambivalent towards it myself. I, I see its benefit, yeah. but I can see its danger as well. I can see its benefit for some of the clubs that are in it, but there's a real elitism and yeah. so much money involved in it that I, I think it'll kill the game uh, if we're not careful. TV rights, uh, you know, the ability of the England team to pull a team together that's yeah. got world-class, week-in, week-out experience yeah. when you've got a Premier League that draws players in, which is a fantastic sight, I mean, to get all of these. But loads of them are individuals, of course, rather than playing for a team, they're playing for themselves. Uh, there's millions of pounds involved in it. You, you can't compete in that environment as a smaller club. It, I feel sorry for some of those teams that are in the Premiership that year after year after the year just pray they don't go down. Yeah. Because they've got no hope of getting into the top six. They're not going to play European football. Charlton got into that syndrome a little bit, didn't they, when they were up there? Yeah. You know, it's it's an existence rather than... Of course, and every now and again you get a team that will do it. And Leicester was one of those teams a few years ago. A romantic story. Yeah, of course. And it it came true for them. Yeah. You know, but where are they now? Uh, You know, it's unsustainable. And then, of course, it makes it very difficult down in the championship and further down the leagues when you've got these clubs coming down with huge amounts of money and parachute payments. Yeah maintaining the squads as best as they can yeah. with great stadiums funded yeah. by TV rights and we're struggling uh, you know we're struggling to pull two bob together to keep yeah. the team well, we've seen the touch yeah. this summer so we, you know, we, struck, we failed to get Ben Marshall we're just talking yeah. about that off, off of course there. yeah um, teams like Forest have spent 50 mil plus Stoke are coming down with Swansea are coming down it's a very tough it's silly money to... yeah it's silly money I mean we spent what 800 grand yeah, we're probably one of the, the <laughs> smallest spending clubs that there is uh, in a division. I mean, we still pulled it off yeah. because, despite all the money and the individual skills that individual players have got and all that, you got to play as a team. If you want a if you want a successful team, you have got to play as a team. Yeah. And what we've got is spirit. Yeah. We've got spirit, we've got and we've got camaraderie, yeah. and we've got guts, and we've got determination, and we've got a bit of pride. Yeah. In the club, and you can't buy that. No, you, you can't, can't buy that. No. That comes through a youth squad, that comes through the community, that comes through our support for the team, yeah. what they get off the terraces, the 12th man as we always... You yeah. know what I mean? It's, that's what drives our club. It's what drives football league clubs yeah, in the moment. Absolutely. You know, absolutely. And that's what will keep Millwall in the position that, that, that we are. And I, I hope that you know we get that opportunity to play in the Premiership. If we get there, I'd love to go to all them away grounds and spend the season travelling around up and down on the trains and the rest of it. But do I see us staying there? Well, I can dream. It'd be a one season. It'd be one season. And we'll, you know, we'll go back down again and I'd have enjoyed it. You know what I mean? But the football, I'll enjoy more in the Championship than I will in the Premiership, I think. Absolutely. Achtung, Milbein. Now, our, our club, Steve, has a stereotyped image in the minds of many, yeah. sadly, in my mm. opinion, because I've always thought, and our history is such that it actually breaks that stereotype on many, many, many occasions, but yeah. we are cursed, stroke, strengthened by our image. It breeds a siege mentality at times, but it does yep. have its downside. But just going back to the 80s, I was making a few notes on the train coming in here today, and I was just thinking back to the 80s when 
Football was at a pretty low ebb, and Millwall, amazingly, of all the clubs that it could have been, was one of the first to lead with community schemes, anti-racism, yep. um, reaching out to, to women. Um, you know, what is now taken for granted in the game. Had a crash, first cup, had a crash. Next door at yep. uh, Coldblow Lane. Yep. It was quite amazing when you look back. I, I was looking through some old stuff the other day, and when you look at what was achieved on scant resources I mean we, we yeah. were double broke back then but we, we did it didn't we yeah. it's, it's quite a it's quite a club in that way in my opinion Millwall it's a fantastic community club um, and I think you have to be to survive yeah uh, you know we wouldn't be if we didn't if we I mean the team irrespective of the team if we didn't have the support that we have and it's not just a local Bermondsey support or even a Lewisham suburb it's support. It's, it's quite South East London yeah, um, support. Yeah. If you didn't have that and you couldn't nurture that through <coughs> the next generation, our kids, taking our kids along with a bit of pride and developing themselves, you know, then um, we wouldn't survive as a we wouldn't survive as a club. Absolutely, we're a community club, and we'll only ever survive as a community club. And we've seen it in our recent battles, sadly, in my opinion, battles with Lewisham Council. Yeah. Um, who do not seem to value our role, even though it's a valuable one to the borough of Lewisham. And I, I, parts of that I still don't quite get in my head. But anyway, that's that's one of the, um, the dangers of uh, allowing developers to um, pretty much rule the um, rule the roost. Yeah. And that seems to be what I see there. I, I don't. Well, know. that was a disgrace. The yeah. whole renewal deal, Steve Bullock's relationship with them as mayor of Lewisham, Damien Egan, who's now the mayor, of course. Um, was supported for the regeneration plan well, at that was. point. I'm hoping now for he's saying change. that. Oh, yeah. well, now he's saying that he, he's not. He's still there, lurking in the background about whether or not that re-emerges as uh, another challenge, another threat yeah. Yeah. for the club. Um, because we won't survive being surrounded by luxury housing. And the reality is, we don't need luxury housing. What we need social is proper housing, housing, social council housing, social for housing for the being, area. People that are being kicked out of our borough, families that are being broken up, that can't afford to live anywhere. Yeah. You know, and having to move out to the Kent suburbs or wherever it might be, certainly move away from their families and their friends. And, and when you start to break the community up like that, it has a really negative impact in so many ways. I've always wondered if the luxury block of flats overlooking that incinerator would be quite an interesting um, yeah, exactly. version of luxury, wouldn't it? Anyway, well, we'll, no, we yeah. won't dwell on that. But who gave our community away to you know, developers to build luxury apartments? It's, yeah, we I mean, didn't do that. We see it all over the city. The yeah, moment. you do. Yeah, who gave our Riverside away? Yeah, you know, for luxury apartments. That's our riverbank. Yeah, and it used to be warehousing, and it used to create employment for tens of thousands of people. And that's been taken over with luxury apartments and two million, three million, nine million pound properties that nobody can dream of living in, let alone afford to live in. You know. Now we, I mean, we're talking about community. Um, we're both of a similar age, so we both remember the old days as well as. Looking yeah. forward to the new days that we hope are yet to come. So I'm thinking back to the 80s and some of the things that um, were rife in football back then. And sadly, we're starting to see reassert themselves a little bit. And I, I, yeah. you know, The reason that we, we got together today was to talk about particularly the, um, the so-called Football Lads Alliance. Yes. Um, and it's, um, it, well, it's, it's been on the march recently. We saw an instance in the other day. I saw... Um, Trade unions beaten up at um, an incident, I think, at Downing Street, I think that was. Yeah, Whitehall, yeah. Um, in a pub, just off Whitehall. Um, Unite as a union has a proud track record on this, Steve, and I'm quite proud of this that we oppose racism, we oppose the right, uh, the ultra right wing generally. Um, I saw a, a motion at conference recently opposing the rise of the FLA, particularly. Um, yeah. It casts itself as a voice of moderation, it's an interesting organisation in some respects. Founded by by a Spurs fan, John John Mayhem, John Mayhem, yeah. Which is now apparently you might know more about this than me. Split into 
a democratic FLA and an FLA. Well, the FLA's disappeared effectively. It's Has it? merged into the Democratic Football Lads Association and uh, oh, Alliance, sorry. And um, John Maynham's disappeared. Although he raised his head, a uh, far more sinister group supporting um, Stephen Lennon, who likes to call himself Tommy Robinson, of course. Yeah, but Stephen Lennon, moment, who's uh, locked up for contempt of court, he could have brought down a, a very serious court case actually, where people were being prosecuted for uh, child abuse. And his actions could have jeopardised that case. He was live streaming. I mean, I, I, yeah. I sometimes see, you know, people. We we, we we see the same football tweets. I dare say. Yeah, yeah. And we, I, I see um, Lennon often referred to as some kind of martyr, but he was live streaming the details of a criminal case in in real time. Yeah, when the he, steps of the courtroom. When he was already in contempt of court. Yeah. And um, was then imprisoned for continued contempt of court. And now puts himself up, portrays himself as some martyr, as if he's some innocent victim of the state. Absolutely, um, absolutely. Attacking him. I mean, he's a nasty, nasty piece of work. You know, he's done his own time in the past. Um, you know, assaulting police officers and assaulting others, and small-time drug dealing, and all sorts of bits and pieces. So he's mm. nasty. He's a bit of a fuck, actually. That's yeah. the reality of it. But everyone, um, everyone tries to reinvent themselves, and he's trying to reinvent himself on a number of occasions. And now he appears. As um, Tommy, Robinson, Tommy Robinson, the victim, a pseudonym. Yeah, 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 absolutely. Yeah. The FLA, when it began, I did. A, a, I looked at their website. Just as a bit of prelim to coming down to meet you today. Seems to it, it casts itself as a kind of open to all kind of organisation, opposing extremism. As um, yeah, it, it, those are its um, yeah, its headline. You know, bullet point. Um, you know, who are we? Um, points. It casts itself as a. As a, as a, as a, against extremism, um, open to all, irrespective of colour, race, creed, yeah. you name it. Um, United says that's not the reality, though. It's, it's actually a very different organisation beneath that, that seemingly modern Well, the leadership, service. it's like a lot of these organisations. Um, you know, it, innocent people get taught, drawn towards them because um, the causes that they at least profess to support are causes that we'd all support. I mean, nobody's invited a paedophile around for dinner. Uh, you know, nobody's supporting um, you know the grooming, um, the grooming yeah. of young yeah. girls, or jihadist acts of terrorism on yeah. our streets, whether that's London Bridge or Westminster or anybody else. I mean, these people will be dealt with. They'll be dealt with by the police and by the courts, and they'll be locked away uh, for life, Hopefully as far as forever. I'm concerned. Yeah, and I couldn't absolutely. give two hoots about them. You know, yeah, yeah. and go rot in jail or rot in hell for all I care. But the reality is, that's not really what the leadership of these groups are uh, are about. The leadership of these groups have a very sinister right-wing, far-right uh, agenda. And they'll use whatever opportunities they've got right. to try and build a more, far broader, deeper base of support for their organisations than would normally be the case if they were open about their objectives. They often latch on to incidents that touch us all. I mean, I'm, I'm thinking of the death of, of, of uh, Lee Rigby. Lee Rigby, absolutely, yeah. Uh, I'm thinking of some of the, the, the uh, criminal it's called criminal grooming gangs that appear yeah. in some of our cities. Yeah. Um, the acts of terror you've mentioned already. They 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 latch on to these and they use people's natural disgust, and I yep. think that stretches across the whole a broad range of politics, yeah. in my opinion. And then they they they, they try to build um, a, a momentum behind, so to speak, a momentum behind their own take on on what the solutions, simplistic solutions, yeah. might be. Because I, I also took a look at what what do the FLA want to happen. Yeah. And it's. It's, it's kind of laughable, isn't it? Because um, on the surface, you could, none of us can argue with again. Who's, who's for extremist um, acts? Nobody. Who, who doesn't want to see the sternest possible use of law 
okay. against criminals of all of all kinds. Of course, it's it doesn't actually offer a solution. It just offers a well. I don't even know what it is offering. It's offering a voice for anger, I guess. Yeah, yeah. And uh, part of the drive for this is completely understandable in the sense that we've had ten years of austerity. We've got huge areas within society, our communities, uh, mm. you know, walk around South Bermondsey and walk around Newcross and find people that are completely disillusioned, yeah. feel powerless, uh, nobody's listening um, to them. We walk into northern cities, yeah. uh, towns up and down our nations, uh, who feel they've been deserted by a political class that's not talking about them, that's not talking for them, that don't talk in our accent, uh, that's not raising the sorts they of talk issues. Down to us they talk down to it, patronising, condescending bastard. You know, and uh, that's led to a, you know, a disillusionment with a liberal elite, uh, with a political class which has become irrelevant largely to huge groups across society, and not just working class communities. Proud working class communities that have always stood up for their rights and stood in solidarity with one another and know how important it is to stand in a unified way together, both at work and in our communities, actually, if we're ever going to you know, advance our interests as yeah. ordinary working class people. You've got to stand together and you've got to fight together yeah. in whatever areas you're in, you know. And, and yet we feel in community, we often feel that we've been deserted by politicians that don't listen that don't understand, that don't come from our ranks, that don't talk like us, that don't raise the issues that we want to raise, that we think are important. And therefore, in that that vacuum, it's very easy for people with other agendas uh, to step in and fill it. And they don't fill it in an open, transparent way, in an honest way. Uh, They fill it around the issues you were talking about before. So they find the opportunity to enter a community or get back onto the Millwall terraces like the NF tried to do uh, back in the 80s and all of that you know they'll try to find um, areas that they think where where people are susceptible and football is one of those areas where they think they can get an in it's a working class sport it's a tribal sport it's tribal absolutely and there are tribes you know we we all understand all of that and they're you know they face off against one another clubs against clubs and all that and they're set it up over the phone to do it and that's the reality of it you know they're going into this quite openly and in other areas of sight it's not about football it's about your postcode or the estate that you live on or whatever and if you haven't got an identity if you haven't got um a pride in your community and all of that if nobody's listening to you and you feel isolated then you find you find strength and confidence in a bigger group whether that's a gang whether that's your football club um, whether that's your wider family whatever that might be mm. uh, whether that's your team of supporters it doesn't matter it, you're going to find a home somewhere yeah. and football's one of those areas where the far right have always sought to gain a foothold because they think that working class people are susceptible to the argument. They think working class people are a bit soft. We've all got mug written on our forehead, you know, and we're open to these as if we're stupid, you know, and we're not. And we're not stupid. And people can see through it. Um, and, of course, there are those elements in any walk of society. And they're down the den just like they're in Old Trafford or Main Road or wherever you, like. wherever, wherever you go. It doesn't matter. You'll find people wherever you go uh, that are really nasty bastards. You know, I mean, there are thugs in society, there are fascists in our society, I understand all of that, but they'll try to find an issue that builds a much bigger base of support for their ideas than being open about their real objectives. And it's a mob mentality, you posted um, a tweet the other day, there was an image from Trafalgar Square uh, of a 
a bloke, a shirtless guy, the t- yeah. a shaven hair, the typical. I'm, I'm looking at you at yeah. the moment. <laughs> I've got no hair left. <laughs> Steve's Steve, Steve not shaven hair. <laughs> I'm beating him on the grey front. Yeah, yeah. Um, but no, I mean, it was a disgusting image of of a, of a, of a Asian bus driver lady being screamed at, hollered at. Being screamed at, yeah, and they forced open the doors and screamed in her face. And, and this is a bus driver, one of our members, actually, a night member. Yeah. Um, I looked at her image and I thought, what, what, excuse my name, but what the fuck, you know, what, what, yeah. what is going on here? You know, is, is this the... Is this the working class that I represent? I don't think so. It's not why, how I would portray myself, and I don't no. think the vast majority of listeners and Mill fans would do either. No, it just looked like bullying to me. That's what it looked like. Well, he's a thug. Yeah. He's a thug. It was quite disgraceful, um, what he was doing, getting in the face of a woman doing her job um, because she happened to be a Muslim. Yeah. You know, and that's just... And she's got a headscarf on. And she yeah. had a headscarf on. Uh, and it's it's just completely unacceptable. And I think that um, you know what you said about it's not you. It doesn't represent you. You're not speaking for me. They're not speaking for our community. They're certainly not speaking for our club. And um, yeah, and yet they'll be there and they'll try to nurture fear uh, in place of hope. And what we need to do is put hope back into society. Give people uh, the hope of a better place. Um, you know, meet their aspirations. And um, you know, the right will never do that. The right have no answers to the issues that they pose. They, 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 I, what I, I see a lot, and my, my opinion is they dress in the clothes of patriotism. Now, I, I see your tweets, I see Len McCluskey's tweets, yeah. defending British industry. Let's, let's, yeah. let's get it right. It's not, um, it's not the right wing that is defending British industry, right. far from it. You know, it's, it's the likes of the United Union and others across the TUC that are actually out there, often defence contractors. Yeah. I've seen you in uh, British Aerospace, I believe. I look after defence workers, um, 70,000 of them, yeah. uh, that build our ships, that defend our waters, that build our aircraft, that the RAF fly with pride, uh, that build our Red Hours, uh, the fleet that people have so much pride in when they see them flying yeah, over London, absolutely. the 100th year anniversary of the RAF. Yeah. I defend all our members. Uh, ironically, against the government that's not, uh, supporting the defence at the moment. Jacket, Absolutely, yeah, wants to fly the flag. Yeah. Uh, you know, and I'm always in Parliament with my members, yeah. uh, lobbying and fighting and protesting, demonstrating, making sure that the voice of ordinary working class people, fighting for jobs and skills, but also the wage packet that supports the family, that is then spent in the community, that keeps the pub open, that yeah. keeps the cafe open and the news agent and the retail shop and the high street and all of that because it's depend- we're interdependent on one another. The wages that I earn support the wages of someone else where I spend my money. And if you, you know, I struggle daily uh, to fight for manufacturing industry because we ain't got manufacturing industry in Britain. We haven't got a private sector that's paying wages, decent wages in unionised companies to our members. Then we haven't got public services because public services are only viable when you've got people paying taxes. Achtung, Milbein. I want to come back to a point you made here, because I think it's an interesting point. It's, it's, it often, it's, it's a point that's made in the discourse online that the working class has no voice. Yeah. And, I, and I think it's a failure of, it's a failure of Labour Party politics, the traditional home of traditional working class yeah. um, interests. Um, there is a certain sense that we are being let down by our politicians generally, but I, I would say particularly Labour politicians. I don't know if I you'd go along in agreeing with that, but it's certainly... Um, that the lack of voice seems to be what lies behind the rise of these the EDL I'm thinking of and the, the football lads and others of their ilk. It seems to be a failure of, of mainstream 
politics. Fight your mainstream politics for years. Uh, didn't matter who you voted for. You were going to get no. the same politics. That's the reality of it. I mean, the irony of all of this, of course, is um, that in the last few years, we've seen a real transformation of our Labour Party. I'm a member of our Labour yeah. Party. Yeah. Um, my union's the largest affiliate um, to the Labour Party. And we fought hard for individual members to choose the leader of the party. How proud was I to walk the streets with the manifesto that we put forward at the last election? Yeah. A manifesto that stood up for my class, that yeah. stood up for working people, that reintroduced uh, working rights, trade union rights, Absolutely. collective rights, so that we could stand up and fight together without um, you know, the law interfering in our ability to be able yeah. to demand and fight for what we want uh, at work. The, talked about a million new homes, mm. talked about half a million social homes, council housing, back on the agenda again, that was disappeared off the agenda right through those Blairite yeah, labour years yeah, during yeah, the 1980s yeah, and 90s. Yeah. Nobody was building council houses, and that's part of the disillusionment in our communities. Yeah. Communities are getting broken up, you're moving away from your parents because you can't afford to stay where you want to be, your kids can't be with you, you're having to move out because no there's no council housing. The only council housing that's available is done on the basis of most need, and those in most need are the most vulnerable. People come in, and people then accuse them of taking our housing. But well, it's mm. not taking our. There isn't any housing. The the, the answer is housing. the answer is we need a massive house building yeah. program of council houses, just like we did after the Second World War. And that's not even mentioned the economic benefits of building and the Absolutely. wage that you put into. Anyway, that's a different different podcast, Steve. Yeah, of course, yeah. <laughs> but, but there we are. You know, it's, it, it, those those are those are real issues. The the lack of. Uh, when you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me, because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates, like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Since 2013, Bombas has donated over 100 million socks, underwear, and T-shirts to those facing homelessness. If we counted those on air, this ad would last over 1,157 days. But if we counted the time it takes to make a donation possible, it would take just a few clicks. Because every time you make a purchase, Bombas donates an item to someone who needs it. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST, code ACAST. Um, the lack of voice for the working class, I think, is is part of this. We also live in strange times. Of, of um, I always think the more we all become similar, the more we all, all want to lay claim to an identity that's different. Yeah. And we seem to be. And I, I, I include all groups in this, all, all, all um, communities, mm. all, all, um, all, all, all creeds and religions, if you like. Everyone yeah, wants yeah. to have their own little piece of the pie, don't they? Yeah. But actually, our lives are very similar. What, what, what unites us is our economic class. It's not um, absolutely. It's not the colour of your skin or what, no. what church you may or may not have gone no. to. We're all treated like shit. I mean, that's the reality <laughs> of it. And employers... <laughs> that was em- what I was searching for. <laughs> uh, well, a, an, employer will rip, an employer will rip me off if I allow them to 
irrespective of whether I'm a bloke, whether I'm a woman, whether I'm black, whether I'm white, whether I'm Chinese, whether I'm Asian, Pakistani, or whatever yeah. I am. If an employer is allowed to get away with ripping me off, they're going to get they're going to rip me off. Absolutely. I mean, that's the reality of it. Absolutely. So this whole issue about migration and immigrants taking my job and the rest of it, it's all bollocks, really, because the reality is this is about bad bosses. Yeah. It's about bad bosses, weakened trade unions, anti-trade union laws that stop us from organising and fighting effectively to defend all of us. Uh, the demise of collective bargaining. When I was a kid, um, I joined London Buses um, as a 19-year-old, as a bus conductor at Woolworth, um, down at Camwell Green. And at that point, over 80% of all of us, working people, were covered by a collective agreement, negotiated by trade unions. It was the norm. It was the norm. It was the norm. And there wasn't wage competition. There wasn't conflict in that way that there is now where everyone's fighting for their own little bit of the job and someone will come and do it for a pound an hour less than you'll do it or for a week's less holiday or Mm. whatever it might be. We had nationalised standard agreements. And all of that was broken up in the Thatcher years, of course, during the 1980s, and now it's completely fragmented. And we've got to get back to some stability because all the time you fragment it, bad bosses will exploit whoever they can exploit. And if they can get someone to come from Bulgaria to do my job for £2 less than I'll do it, they'll do that. Do I blame the Bulgarian? My great-grandparents came from Ireland. They wanted a better life for themselves and they wanted a better life for their kids. And some of them came to the UK, some of them went to America, some of them ended up in Australia and the rest. I've never blamed anyone for wanting to better their own circumstances, find a better life for their kids or... Or, yeah. or anything but of course bosses will always exploit the vulnerable absolutely and that's what we've got to stop you've got to stop exploitation and bad bosses and that's a political question but it's also an industrial question for us as trade unions absolutely you know, I, I, just coming back to the Millwall thing I mean we've got Jimmy Addo's testimony yeah. on Saturday yeah. um, a, a French speaking um black Muslim from uh, Comoros Island, I believe, off the yeah. coast of Africa. Um, we, we have a proud tradition at Millwall, and despite yeah, the stereotyped yeah. image, yeah. Um, we, we, <laughs> the reality is completely different to that. It's, it, it's, a, it's, a, it's, a, it's a shame that we get cursed with the, uh, the, you know, give the dog a bad name in Millwall, isn't it? Yeah, and the press will always use it, and they'll always find something from 30 years ago uh, in order to put back on the back pages, or sometimes the front pages, of course, you know. Mm. Uh, you become the enemy of the press. They're just looking for uh, easy recognition of an issue. And Mill, they put Mill up there, and Mill has its own connotations. You know, Mill has its own reputation, some of which, um, you know, well, we deserve, yeah, quite frankly, from some of the things that we were doing we, we, in the past. We've, we've, but that's been fame. We've got combined um, 50 odd, 100 years worth of support between a pair of us. So yeah, of we've course. Seen what we've seen, we've seen it. Absolutely. We've, we've seen, seen what it. We yeah. see. um, and the press will always like an enemy, uh, yeah. you know, a hatred figure. And, you know, we don't shy away from it. You know, at the end of the day, no one likes us, we don't care. Absolutely. And that's something we sing with a bit of pride. Yeah. But it has the consequence of the press finding an easy target. Yeah. Now, I mean, United's spoken out against the FLA. Let's 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 yep. let's get that out there. Um, and also other, other similar groups, the, the the so-called democratic FLA, or whatever version of that. What well, listeners to this show? I mean, I, I always recommend. I call them kids. They're probably twenty, thirty-year-olds. Yeah. Um, and I have conversations at work. What what should what can you do? Um, I always say join the trade union, join Unite for me, but yeah. join a trade union. Number one. Um, what can what can ordinary people do that will move this question forwards? Because I think sometimes there's a sense of powerlessness in 
in this world nowadays. There's big problems, yeah. and there's, you feel like you're a little bit of wash in, a, in an ocean. You do, yeah. And it, I mean, it, for working people, of course, the voice is always a trade union. Yeah, that's the uh, that's the reality of it. Now we know that the the hard right, the hard right, the leaders of these groups, not the people that are sucked into swallowing them very often, because they'll, um, you know, I, I followed the demonstrations in Whitehall, mm. and I was talking to people on demonstrations in Whitehall, and they were quite rightly, as you said earlier, protesting against extremism, uh, against gang grooming, about all those things, all of us, all of us despise. Um, no know, one's going to speak. In and we've spoken about it. We've yeah. spoken about it before. You yeah. know, nobody's invited him around for coffee. No. I mean, the reality is, um, there were ordinary, decent, ordinary people that wanted to protest against something absolutely legitimately on those demonstrations, yeah. and you ended up with fifteen thousand people coming yeah. together yeah. Uh, for those demonstrations. The sad reality of all of that, of course, is the leadership at the front of those organisations um, is not really about that at all. The leadership at the front of these organisations are very dangerous, hard-right fascists funded internationally. I mean, the stage set up at Downing Street on Whitehall was funded by uh, a US think tank, Mm. a right-wing think tank from Texas, white supremacists from Texas in the United States. Mm. You know, coming on the back of the Trump, uh, the emergence of, you know, an anti-establishment movement in the United States. Who calls these anti-establishment figures, Steve? Who is the anti-establishment? I mean, (laughs) and he's more establishment than most of the people that... um, Jacob Rees-Mogg stands up in Parliament posing as a friend of the working man. Absolutely, yeah. uh, Anyway. The day that happened, I mean, dream of us. Yeah, of course, yeah. So these these are very dangerous people. To have people like Gert Wilders... Uh, from Holland, mm, speaking on yeah. a platform. To have uh, people talking like the leader of UK, Ballard, said, um, yeah. you know, let's ab- abolish Parliament, effectively. Let's yeah. abolish the institutions we of state about because everything. they're not working uh, for yeah. us. I mean, this is the dark right to fascism. Yeah. This is uh, nothing works for us, so you've got to scrap the lot and we'll have anarchy because uh, anarchy serves our purpose. This is what Mussolini did in the 30s. This is what Hitler did in the 30s. Absolutely. You build a street movement of disillusionment, disillusioned youth in the main, uh, who feel powerless, who feel voiceless, nobody's listening to them, uh, who get on the streets, create a common enemy. At that time, it was a Jewish community, of course. Uh, You create the common enemy, and then you attack the common enemy. But it's not really the end game. The end game is far more sinister Mm. than that. And it's of course, on top and you underneath. Absolutely. And, of course, the first people that um, the fascists came from in the 1930s uh, were the organised opposition. It was trade unionists. Socialists, yeah. It was socialists, it was political groups, it was community leaders, it was trade union leaders. Yeah. Because they realised, and they're right, um, absolutely. in reality, that if there's going to be an opposition to the rise of the right, it's going to come from the trade union movement. Yeah. And that's why even now, even now, these people are planning and plotting to attack the trade union movement. We've had our offices attacked um, in Liverpool. Uh, We constantly get letters of threat um, into our office here in Alburn and in other London offices, Leeds and various places, you know, because um, they see us as an enemy, when in reality we're the only ally that the working class have have got and have always had. It's an organised trade union movement that stands up and understands the principles of solidarity and unity and we've never been given anything. You know, working class people have never been given anything. We've stood together collectively as a class. Yeah. 
and we've fought for and we've won, whether that's uh, the vote in the first instance, whether it's the NHS or education for our kids, whether it's a welfare state that protects us when we can't work, um, whatever it might be, we've fought. We've fought for rights. We've fought for social rights, civil rights, and we fought for political rights. And the trade union movement's always been at the forefront of that. And that's what they despise so much about an organised trade union movement. And that's what we see drip, drip, dripping away. And that's what you're starting to see. We, if we allow it, absolutely. And the comments that were being made on the platform, not from people in the audience, mm. well, I think we're quite disgusted to see people zig outside the cenotaph. How can... Yeah. Right? You've I'll, got I'll a tribute. That one, anyone listening, you, you stay in front of the... The, the cenotaph, the, tribute. The Jack, the RAF Absolutely. Flag, and you want to do a, 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 the German absolutely. Nazi... Who give our flag to the right? Who give the Union Jack to the right? That's my flag. Oh, no, I'm not... A, I don't wrap myself in any flag, no. right? But the reality is, that's my flag. Yeah. I'm not giving that to the right, just like I'm not selling my riverfront to the rich. You know, these are ours. These are ours, and we've got to stand up with a bit of pride and defend what's ours, whether that's our flag, whether that's our culture, whether it doesn't matter what it is. As a working class, uh, we, we know, we know, all of our listeners know, that you only ever get what you fight for. And you only ever fight and succeed in that fight if you stand in a unified way together. That's how communities have won. That's how we won social housing. That's how we won the vote. That's how we won the NHS, as we said before, you know. You never get the, the rich have never given us anything. No. They've never given us anything. And if they think we're weak, they'll take it away tomorrow, which is why they're privatising our NHS, which is why they felt confident enough to flog off all our council housing. Mm. Uh, you know, which is why they feel confident enough to attack trade unions and trade union rights, um, because they think they're in the accession now. And that's an incredibly dangerous place that we're in. When you think about the rise of the right in Europe, um, in Germany, in Austria, in Italy, I mean, how... Hungary and Poland. Well. Hungary and Poland, where fences are going up. Fences, barbed wire fences, razor wire being used to keep migrants up. Refugees from war zones. Mm. You know, anyone that can't distinguish between a jihadist terrorist mm. and an a ordinary working class Syrian mm. who's been caught up in a conflict in a war that's not of their making, who's now being tortured and threatened with death, effectively, mm. who wants to escape that and is a refugee, a genuine refugee, and then gets turned away at razor wire on the border to the European Union? I mean, how obscene is that? What sort of society have we become? What are we? What are we? That's a good question. Maybe that's a question for you, listeners. Um, I always say where I work, and I, I work in a place that's um, not, it's not, it's, the majority are not members of a trade union, sadly. I don't yeah. do my best. Yeah. But I would encourage anyone. Everyone should be a member of a trade union, Steve. Absolutely. Yeah. It's the one, um, we, we've said it a few times, we'll say it again, it's the one um, fallback you have in terms of legal support, yeah. employment support. Absolutely. Anything else? Um, it's, it's, our, it's our bastion. And we let it go at our peril, in my opinion. And it's the one thing you control. Yeah. You control your unions. Where If there was a democracy anywhere, oh, it's inside our trade union movement. It's not me, vote me out. I'm, I'm, not, uh, you know, I'm not, not invulnerable. Absolutely, yeah. Steve Turner, it's been great talking to you, mate. That's fantastic. Great talking to you as well. Uh, we've got yeah. to do this more often, mate. We will. <laughs> Don't worry about it, we will, yeah. We've got a lot of things to say. <laughs> Big thank you to Steve Turner. Um, it's a special edition of Akadong Mill. I hope you enjoyed it, dear listeners. And we'll see you when the season starts. Brilliant. See you Saturday. You've been listening to Octoon Millwall, the CBL Magazine podcast. That's the Millwall News this week, and we are out of here.
a lot can happen in the next three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans are available for these changing times. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer budget-friendly, flexible coverage for people who are in between jobs or missed open enrollment. The plans last nearly three years in some states, with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. So for whatever tomorrow brings, United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans may be for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.